What's the most important part of the worship service? And I know some of you are going, Pastor Lynn, is this a trick question? Uh, aren't they all important? Uh, is it the one we're doing right now? Is that what he's trying to do? Yes, stay with me for just a few moments as we go through uh, this passage in Isaiah 6. It has all the elements of worship, and this is old to us, and know that the patterns of worship were long established even before Isaiah wrote this down thousands of years ago. So there's something very deep in this passage about the, the order of worship. So let's, let's start first with the, the context. We're called out of the world and into a holy space, a sanctuary, a worship center, to worship. The context for Isaiah was that this king, Uzziah, had died. And I didn't remember who Uzziah was. Anybody here get, I mean, so I looked it up. He was a king in the southern kingdom of Judah. So there, were, uh, there was a divided kingdom, Israel in the north, Judah in the south. And Uzziah was what was called a good king. It means he didn't go after foreign gods. And he reigned for a long time, maybe as long as 52 years. So when he died, there was a lot of uncertainty. The people maybe felt really vulnerable. Is this your context today? What brought you to worship today? I know a lot of times people come here to worship because of some event that's happened in their life that has gotten them off center and they are scared and they go, I, I need to go back to worship. I need to go before God. I know that over the last week we have been dealing with something very close to us, a lot of flooding. Yes, we've given thanks for the rain and filling up the lakes and all, but there have been thousands of people affected by the flooding. Some folks have died. Some people are still missing, and that uncertainty just weighs on us. Uh, this is part of the context that we're dealing with right now, just locally, that may be driving us, literally driving us, to worship and saying, God, we need help. We, we can't do this by ourselves. We, we come before you. We bow before you this day. And the first act of worship is that of, of awe. Isaiah, coming out of that context, he catches just a glimpse of the very fringe of the hem of God's robe, and it fills the temple. Even that tiny bit of cloth is overwhelming to him. He can't even stand the full presence of God. Just a mere thread of God's robe is enough to put Isaiah into awe. There are seraphs there. I had to look up this. You'd think I know this stuff by now, but I don't. And seraphs, they angels, and they have these six wings, and they're so much in awe that they use two of their wings to cover their faces and two to cover their feet. With two, they fly. Seraphs, I looked it up. It means burning ones, burning ones. These angels may be just so full of light, they look like they're on fire. And these seraphs, they're singing. And they sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, or something like that. And we have this uh, chorus over and over again in our scriptures and in our hymn, hymnal of, of this, this chorus of holy, holy, holy. And we bow before God in, in praise. How, how do you show praise to God? How do you come before God's awesome presence and, and say thank you and praise God and are in awe of God. 
And then the next act of worship, the second act is Isaiah goes, uh-oh. <laughs> he goes, oops. Uh, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He confesses. We're immediately driven to our knees. We're, we're humble before God and we realize who we are before God's awesome presence. That we've not always done what God intends. That we are broken people. Where is that in your life? Do you know something about sin? Do you know something about separation, about brokenness, about guilt, about shame? Where is that in your life? Isaiah says, woe is me. But confession is always linked with pardon. And one of the seraphs, one of those burning ones, get that, takes a live coal and touches his mouth. Ouch. Uh, this confession and pardon is not always without pain. Um, but we need to be released from our guilt and shame. We need a Savior, and that happens here. It's amazing uh, how appropriate this is for a prophet to be touched in his mouth, um, to be released from that. Where is that in your life? Where do you need that release? Where do you need that forgiveness? Where do you need that restoration in your life today? And after that is the, is the third part of worship, and that's the word. There's a voice, and it says, Who shall go for us? Whom shall I send? And maybe that's what the, the reading of Scripture and the offering of a message each week is. Please know that I take this very much to heart. I know that you want a fresh word from God, that you're desperate for that every week. Every week I try to go before God and say, God, what do your people need to hear from you this week? I know the word this week is one of comfort and of challenge. It's one of, of thanksgiving and also one of invitation to you this day. What is the word you need to hear this day from God? If you don't get it from me, may you listen to that spirit that is with us forever. May that spirit speak to your heart this day in worship. And then there's this fourth act of worship. As Isaiah responds, he says, here I am. Send me. To that question, to that invitation, whom shall I send? He says, send me. To me, this may be the most important part of worship today. Maybe every Sunday is what happens when we leave this place, when... Our worship service leads us to acts of service. When celebrating the Mass leads us to mission. It is the same root word, by the way. That what happens here has something to do with what happens out there. Our response to the Word when we say, send me. It's not always easy to be sent. Can, can, can I get an amen here? Y'all are just it's, it's not always easy. Can, can you look at the next verses? It didn't get in the scripture lesson for today, but this is what happens when Isaiah says, send me. And, and God, the Lord God says to him, uh, go and say to this people, keep listening, but do not comprehend. Uh-oh. Uh, keep looking, but do not understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so that they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their minds and turn and be healed. Ooh, what a harsh word he has to say. Uh, that's not always the word that we're given when we're going out. 
But maybe you have felt this as you have tried to tell others about Jesus Christ or have done acts of mercy in his name. You're not always appreciated. Can I get an amen here? People don't always understand where we're coming from or why we're doing something. And a lot of times we get rejection and we get turned by. You know what gets me more than anything is just cynicism and just indifference. It's like, okay, so big deal. Yeah, you follow Christ. Okay, that's your thing. You know, I'll go and do my thing. Huh? That really eats at me. It's not always easy to be sent into the world. This is one of the reasons that we wanted to give affirmations this day to you servants and to you leaders in the church. I, we wanted to say thank you. And we have that, that big uh, mural out there in the narthex where people have written your names and have written a personal blessing for you. And I hope that you'll go by and look at those. And we're going to have this celebration liturgy in just a few moments here in worship. Hear me very clearly. This is God's truth. You will not always get thanked for following Christ. And a lot of people won't understand. So I'm trying to say thank you to you this moment here in worship. I appreciate you. And even though the world doesn't understand, Christ understands and Christ sees what you do. That, that's one word I want you to take from this worship service this day. Thankfully, a lot of the times, the words and the acts that are given us are not quite as harsh as were given to Isaiah when we are sent into the world. And many times we get to say a word of hope and healing. We get to perform acts of mercy on behalf of others. What word is, is coming to you? What act are you being led to do this day? As you may say, here I am, send me. And you say, well, Pastor Lynn, I really don't have a clue. <laughs> uh, there's a world of infinite need out there. <laughs> a world of infinite need. And you can't possibly meet all those needs. Uh, I got overwhelmed with just this one with uh, Janet, a member of our church here. Let's hear her story as she's waiting for an organ transplant here. My name is Janet Roper, and I've been a member of Westlake Methodist Church for, I guess, 27 years. Uh, that time has gone by really fast. My name is Tracy Ballard, and I am married to Janet's nephew, Matt. I have um, inherited, or I guess genetic, kidney disease. Uh, it started with my identical twin sister, Jean Tarrant, and me. And we developed it in our 20s, but uh, never really progressed for either one of us. Um, until recently, but it did develop in both of my children and in my sister's children as well, uh, to the point where my daughter was transplanted um, six years ago, almost seven years ago, I guess. Her stepmother donated to her, and then my twin sister was next. Hers was a year ago in September where her kidneys failed or were failing, and her husband donated to her in a three-way paired match uh, in Houston. And then my son uh, went downhill with his kidney function uh, last summer, and his father donated to him. And I think um, for me personally, I always thought if something, if I ever had a need, that a family member would step up. 
but there's an entire category of people who are dealing with potentially genetic illnesses for which family is no longer an option. Last August, I was given the news that mine was going down, um, my function was going down, and um, I immediately knew what to do. I went to the transplant center here in Austin, and it was time for me to be evaluated already that soon my function was low enough. The entry threshold question was, what's your blood type? And for me, that was a match, and I'm here in Austin this week to determine whether we can take that match into a full match for a donation. It's just so encouraging. She she is a young mom. I mean, she has three little kids, and she um, is willing to do this for me. <laughs> I start crying. Um, I, I don't know. It just means a lot. It means a lot that she is willing to do that. This was really a kind of a calling for me. I mean, I just felt like this was something I had to do. And so um, the process has been one in which my heart has been very calm, I have to say. I think sometimes you just have to step out in faith. So many people are praying for me, and I know that's why. I, I have a sense of calm about it. it. It seems like no matter what happens, I know that God is with me. For me, I kind of feel, I just felt called to step up and say, can I be a match? I have seen the article in the Austin American Statesman a few weeks ago about Janet, and I called her that evening. And I said, "Hey, I got two kidneys. You know, can I give you one?" And she said, "It's not that simple." Um, I love what her niece said. It's a calling, and it's a calm. That—that's how you know what you're called to do uh, when you say, "Send me." Uh, you can't do everything, but there is something that, that Christ is calling you to do, and you know it's that burden on your heart that just won't leave you alone. And then you have that sense of calm, that sense of peace when you say yes to that. I, I really believe that. I, I, have, I am an organ donor. I've signed, you know, you can do it on your driver's license. There's a registry thing. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do, and I feel called to do that, and I feel calm about doing that. I don't know what Christ is calling you to do. There's there so many ways that you can respond. Here are some ways you're saying, Pastor Lynn, I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed by all of these things. One of the things you can do is to go to this website. It's free. The math major in me loves this. You can take a little test. <laughs> There's a spiritual gifts inventory that you can take. Some of you are writing this down. You're going to take this picture with your phone right now. You can go to our website and find this. Because I, I really do believe in this. You can be led by taking such an, an inventory and say, oh, I didn't know I had that, that spiritual gift. And what a great thing, huh? So there's, there's one response that you can make. Talk to friends, talk to family members, have this, this calling confirmed by them. It's not just what you're feeling, but have some others say, yeah, I, I see that in you also. That is another good way. Go to God in prayer, have it confirmed in, in that way. So there, there are many ways that you can discover this. You don't have to do everything, but you are called, I think, every one of us to do something. And sometimes it's words, and sometimes it's action, sometimes it's both. So 
one of the things that you can do in the next couple of weeks in response to the flooding is we're going to be making some flood buckets. We Methodists are good at this, okay? Uh, we have done this in the past. Our goal right now is to make 50 flood buckets over the next several weeks. So next, uh, if you go to, uh, to our website, we're going to have this list of these, act, uh, of these items here. We're going to have uh, a handout next week in worship. We're not going to start bringing stuff till after that because Vacation Bible School starts next Sunday and all next week. And I, yes, I, Hillary, I want to stay in relationship with you and <laughs> not, not have you throw me out. So. But anyhow, and, and by the way, the needs are going to go on and on and on. I mean, we have flood buckets that we'll be replacing, actually, because I know in Kerrville at our Mount Wesley, we already have some in stock there. It costs about $44.55 to do a complete flood bucket, all right? I'm just telling you, if you go to HEB and bought everything on the list, that's about what it costs. I think we knock out 50, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be doing this at the... The surprising summer Sunday schools after June 7th. Uh, so, okay, we're going to do that. There are many other ways that you maybe feel called. Uh, I know in the newsletter I sent out this past week that you can become one of these emergency responders. There's uh, that the Methodists get trained. Many other ways that you've seen in the paper. Here's a theology. This awesome God, <laughs> whose fringe of his robe fills the temple says, I trust you enough to join me in this holy work. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Imagine that, that this awesome God taps us and says, I want you to, to help out here. I just, I find that incredible. And then here's the next piece. Don't wait for me to call you. Don't wait for the church to call you. Christ has already called you. <laughs> So you can do far more outside of me and this congregation. Do it for Christ. Don't do it for me or the church. Do it for Christ. Okay? And you have many more contacts than I will ever know about. So that's where Christ is calling you to be. So today, the answer to the question, the most important part of the worship service, I think, is this one. When we leave the doors, when we... When we say, here I am, send me, and this great God says, go. <laughs> Friends, that's the good news I have to share with you this day. Amen.